Welcome to Bob Cargill's Marketing Show, a ridiculously awesome podcast bursting with insightful commentaries and intriguing conversations on the topics and issues that are on the minds of marketers, advertisers, social media, and PR professionals today. Hey, everybody, this is Bob Cargill from Bob Cargill's Marketing Show, episode 138. Love it. Love my podcast. Love interviewing my guests. Love providing you with marketing and social media, short commentaries, and love my listeners. Thank you so much for supporting Bob Cargill's Marketing Show. This podcast is available on Podbean and pretty much wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And I hope my podcast is one of your favorite podcasts. And I also share it on YouTube. We record on we record on Zoom and I share it on YouTube and its entirety and then sometimes some snippets on social media. Where, pretty much wherever you can find me, you will find my podcast. And you will also find my guests. Yes, I try to include guests on this show at least I'd say every one out of three podcasts or so, maybe a little bit more than that, who's counting. But that is my goal, to bring you very fascinating, very knowledgeable, very ridiculously awesome guests, people who are specialists like myself in marketing, social media, and related fields. And today, I am so, so happy to introduce you to Brian Hurst. Brian is somebody who works with me on the social media for AMA Boston, or, or we could say I work with him. We are teammates. We are colleagues doing a lot of the social media for AMA, American Marketing Association Boston. And also when I looked at Brian's LinkedIn profile this morning, I noted, and I hadn't noticed this before, Brian, but we're both graduates of UMass Amherst. But Brian, enough about well, enough of me talking. You're the guest. I want this to be all about you. So tell everybody who's listening and watching a little bit about your background, your, your professional journey up to this point in time. Absolutely. How, how, are, how is it going, everyone? Um, Brian Hurst, originally from Walpole, Mass., home of the prison, as some people much chagrin would know that. And uh, been a winding journey through the world of CX and customer success now. Um, but I... We'll start at when I worked at Hockey TV in Needham, Massachusetts, uh, next to that uh, locally famous sub shop Gianni's, and uh, covered um, some customer service aspects with streamers watching their favorite son or daughter on the ice, and uh, helped with some marketing activities, creating content for the Twitter account for different highlights of favorite goals or a goal save things like that then my journey continued on to uh, a uh, education tech company where I did more CX work there and then eventually to my current employer which is an email marketing provider here in the greater Boston area and my day-to-day tends to be uh, where I look for customer trends and see where the gaps are. Is there something we could be doing better? Is there something that they need from us that they haven't gotten? So it's a whole bunch of conversations to see where those opportunities lie. Brian, whenever I have guests on this show, I always tell them or 
if I don't tell them, I certainly always realize how much I learn about them. Because when you're doing a podcast, you're listening intently to what the other person says, so you can respond intelligently and, and with, with the, an informed opinion or, or reply, if you will. And looking at your background, listening to you talk, I say to myself, wow, we have so much in common. You mentioned Walpole. I think you know, or, or if you don't, you do now that I grew up in Franklin, so not too far away from each other. When, but I you know, grew up a long, long time ago, long before you. Um, but I used to drive by that, that uh, I think it's Cedar Junction in, in Walpole. Yeah. And then there's a minimum security in Norfolk too, right near there. Yes. Yep. And I was just in Franklin the other day, uh, uh, getting some food from the Rome. Hey, a plug for the Rome. The Rome yes. is an iconic restaurant in Franklin. So you must know, um, you must be a foodie or because Franklin, that the Rome is famous. It's been there forever. Yeah, it's always a good time and a good food uh, to grab. I was actually heading to my side work at the Xfinity Center uh, at a concert. So down in Mansfield. Geez, oh, yeah. look at, you know, we travel in the same circles the rome is owned by the kalachi family it, i believe at least it used to have been owned by them and i'm thinking it still is the kalachi family the rome is is a great restaurant and and i think that's really neat that you uh got yeah. some food there and and then umass amherst i again me long before you but i i walked um the campus of amherst for a few years um and got my undergraduate degree there a long time ago um and and that's where you went to school as well. Definitely, was I, in the I, marching band there, and and did uh, resource economics as a major, and uh, it was uh, definitely a lot of things going on that I didn't experience before. So there was a lot of learnings there in professional and personal capacities. Isn't UMass Amherst a great school? I it I loved it there. It continues to rise and always good food there. The, the <laughs> yes. Great food. They, so not only did I go there, my, my stepdaughter Sophie went there and my son Ben went there and, and you went there, Brian. And you're right, the food, they've been awarded, uh, recognized many times for their great uh, uh, food and, and dining services. And, and yeah, there, there was so much variety there it, it was like a mini city when when I went there and I really learned a lot and and grew up a lot and and developed my interests in communications and and media and and then went into marketing after my I, my experience at Brooklyn College where I got my my master's degree but tell me if you will after so did UMass did your educational journey if you will how did that inspire you to get into what you're doing now as a professional did did you take any marketing courses did you do any com communications uh, related activities i took one marketing course but i think where my inspiration of kind of pushing myself into the marketing world is kind of what i think you're going to be talking about later in the discussion is how has the pandemic changed and I think it's it comes from that customer centricity where uh, historically, and you can kind of echo this, marketing has been 
um, a kind of top of funnel involvement, but now it's becoming more mid funnel. So you're engaging with folks on a one-to-one -one basis or a one-to-five basis. It's very much more experience oriented. So specifically at, at UMass, you, did you study that or, or how did so you- I, I studied uh, economics uh, with a pursuit of something sports related. Uh, and I got a lot of experience with like live events through the marching band. Ah, fascinating. So I agree with you uh, in terms of how marketing has changed. And again, I've been around a lot longer than you. So I've seen many more changes and, and I could talk, you know, high level as, as well as granular. You're making a really good point. When social media came around, let's say 15 to 20 years ago, 15 years or so ago, I embraced it early on, started my blog in 2004. And I started talking with my fellow marketers about, hey, you know, there's something going on here. There's a phenomenon, you know, called blogging. And, and then, you know, obviously, you know, videos on YouTube and, and Twitter came around and, and, you know, podcasting, et cetera, et cetera. We are able as marketers to talk to an audience and engage with them and earn their trust. And isn't that what marketing, especially direct marketing, which I was specializing in, isn't that what it's all about? And, and today, more than ever, the relationship building is a big part of marketing. Would, would you agree? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you're kind of on the fence, especially as it's not uncommon to compare two or three brands for the same function, that customer experience might be your pivot into that person deciding, let's go with your brand over another, uh, because it's all going to be the same kind of price and uh, promotion type structure, but that experience might put you over the top. Yeah, the customer experience, the relationship, the trust you have in a brand or business, products, services can, like you said, make a difference between sex, success and failure, correct? Yeah, and if you're kind of down to the wire, maybe your boss says, we got to make a decision and let's go with A, B, or C company, you might remember, oh, Steve was the best at treating me the way I expected to be treated. And I'm going to go with Steve because I like doing business with people. The, such a fantastic point. It, 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 it sounds simple, but it's much more complicated than that. It's much more time consuming than that. And, and frankly, not every business gets it, if you will. A lot of businesses are still, as you and I know, be, behind the times in terms of not embracing social media, not understanding how important building a relationship with your prospects and customers is and how much of a difference that can make, whether or not you embrace social media and, and relate to your audience, how much of a difference that can make between success and failure. Oh, for sure. So tell me, if you will, it, are there any companies, uh, I, I know you work for one um, and, and you, but there were many others, um, I, I think, there were some others, whether many others is, is a question, I suppose, uh, out there who do get it, who are doing really well, who you could cite 
and maybe talk about for a minute or two that that I, I understand the importance of the customer experience and in the importance of being social on social media. Yeah, I'll I'll give you two. One one uh, large corporation and one uh, startup mold, if you will. Uh, the large, it's uh, got to be Southwest. I mean, they're very responsive. They know that their content is timely. It's someone's flight. It might be in two hours, three hours. So they they jump to the bid at uh, helping through challenges and not just the canned response. If someone is like, uh, if someone is like, uh, my flight's delayed and I'm trying to get to the wedding, something like that, they'll make it personable to say something about the wedding as a broad example, not specific, but they'll definitely cater to that too as much as they can in a scaled environment. The other one is uh, someone we've been interacting jointly, Bob, is lately. Uh, they yeah. definitely have that crowd mentality of empowering their employees to join in the conversation, which only helps the brand's message uh, touch more people than it would just by itself on an island. Two fantastic examples. Southwest Airlines, not even a question. Everybody knows of them, whether you have... have fly, um, travel much or not, you, you, you've seen them in the news and, and know their reputation for great customer service and, and the fact that they embrace social media. Lately, not necessarily a, a well-known brand, but extremely well-known to you and me, Brian, as you mentioned, lately is amazing in how, like you said, they embrace social media and employee advocacy in that they have employees, a team who, from what I can see, are very active on social media and very supportive, very engaging. And what I have seen is if they are mentioned, it seems there's a team of employees that genuinely, authentically, sincerely engage with, with the people who are talking about them without being salesy, absolutely without being annoying, quite the contrary, being friendly, like I said, supportive to the point where you get to know them. And the more you get to know somebody, when it comes time to doing business, when that moment arises, you're going to think of them first and, and likely do business with them. So kudos to Lately and, and thanks for mentioning them, Brian. Yeah, and uh, the empowering that Kate Bradley Chernis does with her team is, is pretty <laughs> yeah. neat. She's amazing. Say, Let's do it all. Yeah. Kate Bradley Chernus. Yeah. You and I have met her online, not, not, not in person. I don't know about you. I haven't met any of them in person, but with the pandemic, number one, with, with, you know, ge geographical distance, number two, and, and, and just that we are so active on social media and online in general. Um, a lot of the people we meet, we, we, know and and trust but we haven't met them in person for uh, perhaps are there any resources that you would consider your go-to's whether they're blogs whether they're individuals whether they're books that you that you count on to to arm yourself with knowledge and information i i think one that stands out is one that caters to 
the noise of today. There's just so many resources out there. And how do you get the best bang for your time rather than the best bang for your buck, if you will? So I, I use Gary Vaynerchuk's marketing for the now because the segment is pretty unique in the sense that it's one question for the segment and each guest has about 12 minutes. So it's very short, sweet to the point, and the guests he brings are are pretty remarkable, and you just never know who's going to be on there. Gary V. If people don't know about him, I'd be surprised. <laughs> but if they don't look him up, listen to him, watch him. Once you start following him, you'll say, "Wow, this man is amazing, one of a kind, and a mentor and influencer and inspiration to so many." people. So great, great example, great, great role model for anybody who wants to be successful, not just in social media and marketing, but business in, in general. So we've gone through and still are sadly a tough time with the pandemic and, and it's sad and, and, and for so many whose lives have been lost because of the pan pandemic, because of COVID and it's changed so many things, including how we interact with others, how we do business, et cetera. Any comment on that, Brian? What have you seen in terms of how the pandemic has affected business, how the pandemic has affected marketing, et cetera? I mean, to expand on the prior point of the customer centricity, I think it's kind of a, a, a big transition all at once to say, now you have all these tech tools and now you have to be more customer friendly at the same time. So it's like being pulled in both directions. Uh, and at the same time, those tech tools allow for a global audience. And I think there's a misconception. Oh, great. Now we can just market the world and we'll have a huge brand and everything will be great. And um, that's it. Uh, but it, at the same time, I think you try not to reach for the stars while trying to be realistic, you can obviously aim for large goals, but let's just say a small business here in Massachusetts, if they're maybe selling shoes um, to compete with larger brands, you may not need to target the global audience necessarily, but it may come organically. And then you can see where those markets are. Maybe there's a tie to Ireland and your family was Irish descent you may have a small pocket of Ireland fans and consumers. So then you know, okay, maybe we don't need, need to go global, but we can target Ireland because there seems to be a pull there. Sim uh, I was just gonna say similarly, um, when I was in Nashville, Tennessee living, there was a band called Daddy Issues and mm -hmm. ironic name uh, and their following was largely in Asia because there just seemed to be a resident a resonance there with the Asian population. So they were much bigger overseas than they were in their local community. So technology, the internet, social media makes the world, if you will, smaller and we can reach a broader audience and who knows who we might form mutually beneficial relationships with. Absolutely. And the pandemic has accelerated that to a degree because we have become more reliant on 
online think, online activities. It was, it was a buy-in early on in the pandemic. Like, what else are you going to do besides just sit at home? Or um, that that was pretty much it. So it's, it was like almost like a time filler to buy in earlier than something normally would occur. If Twitter Spaces had been released, say in 2018 or 17, that might be a much larger buy-in curve. There's a book here, Brian, um, somebody's probably working on somewhere. Maybe you or I could beat them to it in terms of how the pandemic has changed marketing because that's our, our particular area of expertise. But, but we'll save that for another day, that a conversation there. Maybe we both, after this podcast, need to get to work uh, writing that book and, and beat everyone to the punch and become famous uh, best-selling right. authors. There you <laughs> so, go. Someone's working on it. Uh, how the pandemic's changed marketing, social media. There's going to be lots of books, lots of documentaries on that. But you mentioned Twitter Spaces. I'd be remiss if we did not talk about Twitter Spaces. You, so... I mentioned when I introduced you that you and I work together along with a few others, a, uh, along with a ridiculously awesome team of social media folks for AMA Boston, the American Marketing Association Boston chapter. And you as an individual have, have taken the initiative and really spearheaded uh, the movement, uh, the initiative for, for us to be using Twitter spaces so much. Tell people, I don't want to steal any of your thunder here because it's been all you leading the, leading the charge. Tell us about Twitter Spaces, how it works, what have you done with regard to Twitter Spaces in AMA Boston? So Twitter Spaces is a medium that allows for audio-only collaboration. Uh, it can be used in a number of different formats. You can have a guest panel. You can just do an impromptu chat like Bobby. You could just host one on social media practices after this podcast, if you wanted. Uh, so it allows a lot of flexibility there and um, you incorporate event planning into it. You incorporate uh, uh, questions and Q and A and it's just a fun way to interact with folks in a loose environment. Uh, like you don't have to prepare for your appearance and getting ready. You can be multitasking and yeah. uh, kind of life hacking as uh, people have said. So doing the dishes, you might want to listen to Bob's space at the same time and get two things accomplished at once, listening to great insight as well as getting those, those dishes done. Um, so it just allows for a lot of flexibility and collaboration and because it is a global audience kind of as we hinted before uh, you could be on a twitter space with a host in ireland but there's a guest from china so it can cover definitely all facets of where people are geographically as well and then you if you're interested in italian food you might be able to tap into someone in italy that can give you that local insight a lot faster than if you were to try and research it and maybe that's dated at the time uh, maybe not so in cooking but in definitely marketing and business that may be a lot more relevant to get someone's opinion real time yeah you made so many good 
points about Twitter spaces, the fact that you can multitask. Perfect example, last night you initiated a Twitter space for AMA Boston with some fantastic guests, fantastic speakers. And I was in the car. I tuned in before I started my car and left the parking lot where I was. And for the first 20 minutes or so on my way home, just listened. In fact, I heard you say, hey, Bob, do you want to say anything? But I couldn't look at my phone. I couldn't press any buttons. So um, I was multitasking. And, and when I get home, then I hit, you know, microphone on and got my chance to be on stage, as we call it, on Twitter Spaces and, and ask a question. Twitter Spaces is, has taken off re remarkably so. And absolutely, the idea of audio, I think, perhaps was underestimated, has been underestimated, the power of it and the popularity of it by, by marketers and business people. And frankly, I think if they're not paying attention, they're going to miss the boat. There are so many opportunities, as you and I know, because of Twitter spaces and podcasts and any, any audio uh, media, media, if you will. So what about any particular Twitter spaces you've run for AMA Boston? Anyone in particular stand out as, as especially successful or, or what has it done for our share with the public, our social media channels? What has it done for our audience? You know, I'm going to take a page out of Tom Brady's book. Wish he was still in New England, but with Twitter spaces, it's almost like the next one is the most impactful. Um, just because the possibilities are endless. You never know what guests you're going to attract. And uh, AMA Boston were jointly hosting a Twitter space with Rand Fishkin mm. of the SEO world and his new venture, Spark Toro. So I, I think moving to the next one is going to be the <laughs> way I look at it. <laughs> Do you anticipate that? So I know we've had, AMA Boston has had, and again, with you leading the charge, perhaps a few dozen, I don't know, the maximum number of people we've had on one of these, but I would imagine that could be a big one. I mean, you could have over 100 people in one of these things, right? That's realistic and possible, correct? Yeah, a lot of factors with everything in marketing, uh, timing and uh, what's going on in the world and Last night, I was uh, definitely respectful of football fans wanting to jump off and get the game on and have some beer and wings. Uh, so definitely be aware of what's going on. And you may not be able to plug into everything, but just to, as much as you can to know where your best uh, value is. Uh, so that one, realistically, I could see... 50 to 100 people uh, as a uh, rough estimate just because of his following and his work with his prior company, Moz, uh, and just his influence on the space in general. When is that, Ryan, and how could people join in on that Twitter space with Rand Fishkin? So it's going to be October 6th at 3 p.m. Eastern and 12 Pacific time for folks in the West Coast where his core market is as well. Uh, and they can join via the link. 
uh, that we can share mutually as well. And that will uh, be accessible for link next week. Fantastic. To save it to calendar. Quick as segue. And what's up, Ryan? As a reminder, you can set a, a notification. Yes, which is so Twitter a will notify you. Which is a feature that, that Twitter Spaces comes with, which I like. You set the reminder and it reminds you. Twitter Spaces is phenomenal. And thank you, Brian, for, for talking about it and also leading the charge, like I said, with, with Twitter Spaces on behalf of AMA Boston. As we wind down, I just want to ask you a quick open-ended question. Future of work, future of social media, future period of the world. What, any, any thoughts on, on what's coming down the pike for, for all of us? I think for years, work has been so structured. And I think this pandemic is allowing for that flexibility to foresee. Uh, and I always thought, um, even just in general, markets were expanding. So you would need to have folks ready and available for your California customers. So maybe shift down some of your employees and help with our traffic issues that we have in Boston yeah. historically. Big time. So, so that, that flexibility, I think, allows employers to reevaluate, and a lot have done already, that, that just because maybe someone's not there right at 9 a.m., is that really going to impact the work that they do? Uh, can they come in at 10 or can they start at nine and break it up? And uh, I just think the possibilities are endless. Just similarly with Twitter spaces to jump back, it, it really allows even artists to have a venue in their pocket. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how that evolves as well. Yeah, everything's more ideally more fluid, more flexible. Number one, it, it works for people, more people because it's, it's giving people freedom of choice and not everyone works the same and is as productive under the same rules, if you will, and guidelines and parameters. And it's also smart for the environment, smart for business, smart for mental health, frankly. You know, employers, I believe strongly should be, and I think you were hinting a similar thought, it behooves them to be a little bit more open-minded about where we work, how we work, when we work, and perhaps more work will be getting done and more better work will be getting done and everyone will be happier too. What could be more important right. than that? Definitely. Brian, how can people contact you if they would like to reach out to you directly? How active are you on social media? Do you want to plug any of your social media handles, et cetera? Probably the easiest way is uh, Twitter. So it's Brian, B-R-I-A-N-H-U-R-S-T-0-1. Uh, LinkedIn, alternatively as well, Brian Hurst in the Boston area. And I'd be happy to chat more, whatever you'd like. Brian, you've been an awesome guest, a ridiculously awesome guest. I appreciate your time so, so much. Thanks, Bob. Thanks for having me. Hey, everybody who's, who's watching, listening, that is Brian Hurst. Do look him up. Do connect with him. He is a fountain of knowledge, ton of information, and, and insights does he have to share with you about marketing, social media, business in general, sports. I know you know sports quite well, very well. 
This has been episode 138, Bob Cargill's Marketing Show. Today is Friday, September 17. You'll probably be watching this, listening to this sometime next week, sometime the week of September 20th. I'll put it up on YouTube. You'll listen to it on Podbean. And again, wherever you like to listen to your favorite podcasts. And I hope Bob Cargill's Marketing Show is one of those favorite podcasts. So thanks, everybody. Thank you again, Brian. Appreciate it. And we will talk to all of you again soon. Thanks, everybody.